This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome back to training camp, everybody. Matt Bovey along with Sal Capaccio. So the bills now more than a week into camp. We've already seen our handful of padded practices. That means our handful of fights. Things have started to ramp up here at camp, and the storylines are getting more interesting, Sal. Yeah, I mean, every day Isaiah McKenzie is out here making plays. And coming into this camp, wasn't slot receiver and the battle for slot receiver a big storyline? All right, Matt, here I am. There is no depth chart. So Sal Capaccio unofficially is declaring Isaiah McKenzie the number 3 wide receiver on this team. Yes, Isaiah McKenzie is going to get a lot of play on this roster. Now, I don't necessarily think that means it's all going to be from the slot. I think they're going to use him all over the place, but maybe the most impressive riser up to this point of camp has been McKenzie on offense. And defensively, I would say, at Oliver, that dude is just plain like his hair is on fire. They have both been so impressive, and it's not just like flashes. It's not like a day here and there. It's every day these guys are coming out and making a lot of plays. We knew Ed Oliver was going to play a big role in this defense. Isaiah McKenzie, we knew he was going to play a role. We didn't know how big it would be. I think it's going to be bigger than we expected even two weeks ago. Sean McDermott even gave us, how about this from McDermott, a great money quote. Like He doesn't usually kind of give it like this, but he wasn't intending to you know, um, kind of put any goods out there. But he said the biggest challenge for Isaiah McKenzie when he was asked was potentially stepping into a, a full-time role, is how he put it, and team's game planning. And I think that really tells a lot. I think it does too, because I think it makes us believe that he's envisioning a full-time role for Isaiah McKenzie and that they do have a lot of plans and usage for him. We also haven't seen Isaiah McKenzie, you know, returning kicks or returning punts or anything. And to me, that says he's going to play a big role in the offense because if his primary focus out on the practice field is on offense, I think that speaks volumes. So one of the guys he's competing with is Jamison Crowder. He has missed a lot of time. He did finally return to the practice field here on Monday, the day that Matt and I are talking to you on this podcast. We'll see where that goes. And Khalil Shakir, who we're going to talk to in a little while, is another guy that factors in. I really like his game so far. The other concern, though but if I can call it that, is the banged-up offensive line, if you will, and a lot of the shuffling that's going on. I'm basically playing right tackle at this point. <laughs> like, if they have a couple... You did a pretty good job today, by the way. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, I just try and make sure that I keep everything in front of me, keep the hands inside. It's been a big rotation, so it almost feels like it's a little unfair to criticize the offense on the days when the tempo and the, you know, things aren't just working because it is such, like, a mis- mismatch of people. It's It's weird. Now, I'm not overly concerned. I know some people are like, how concerned should we be? 
if we're still having this conversation in like three weeks mm-hmm. after a preseason game or so, then I'm like, okay, maybe we need to have this conversation. But for right now, it's just an interesting kind of dynamic. And I almost wonder, and this sounds a little weird, I know there's value in like the backup guys getting reps. I almost wonder if there's value in the bona fide starters getting reps with protection that isn't as good because they have to think that much faster. And then when the offensive line comes back and you have your real starting five, if everything will slow down a little bit and those little split seconds extra will be there and that'll mean they can attack more. I know Bills fans don't want to hear this name, but even a guy like Bobby Hart has been seeing time with the first unit because they are rotating a lot of guys in. The other name I'll mention... I believe David Questenberry is this team's new Ryan Bates. He's going to play every position and probably save them a roster spot because he can do that. Yeah, and I think they need somebody like that because they do have their guys, but we all are kind of slotting Ryan Bates in as a starting guard this year. Offensive linemen get hurt every single year. It's like one of those positions where somebody is going to get hurt. If you can have somebody who you know you can trust and can slide in at a lot of different positions, that's going to go a long way. You know, later in this podcast, we're going to have a conversation with Ben Valin from the, um, you know, from Boston WEEI contributor, and he was talking about like what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. And a lot of the things is like avoiding injury. And one of the ways of doing that is having quality depth. And at offensive line and defensive line, I think it might be as important as anything because you just need to be able to tread water. Like if there's an injury that happens to Josh Allen, to Stefan Diggs, the expectations for this entire season change. If there's an injury that happens to an offensive lineman, you're hoping that you can tread water until that person is able to come back. So I think that that depth at the line really does play a factor. Speaking of until someone comes back, a big storyline out here. Tredavious White, he has not returned to the practice field yet. You've been taking video of him. What have you seen from him to tell the fans kind of how he looks basically? And do we really have any sort of gauge on when this, when he may return to the field? He looks yoked is what he looks like. My goodness, has that guy put on some muscle up in his upper body. He looks like he's close. Like with the work that he's doing off to the side, the weight that he's putting on of it, you know, on his ACL, like he looks like he's close. I think they're still going to be overly cautious with this, as they should be. But the more days go by, the more we seem to see him be doing. And I think that's a sign that football might happen relatively soon. Yeah, I agree with you how close he looks, but there's never been a timeline for, I think, good reason from the Bills. They don't want to do that because they don't want to put expectations on it. But the longer this goes, the more you wonder... Will Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson be the two starting corners? So let's talk about those two guys for a second. Um, the storyline, I would say, the first two days of practice was maybe Elam against Diggs. A couple of heated battles. We just heard from him on Monday. He's a competitor. He is, this guy's all serious. He's all football. He's all business. But I will also tell you, I think he's been inconsistent. He's been a little grabby, and it's been a learning curve out here. Yeah, that's the biggest thing to me is he's been handsy. Like, on one of the first days, they put boxing gloves on him, basically, and it was like, okay, let's stop using the hands. You can't just rely on that. Now, I think that's something that's taught, though. Like, I think that these coaches will be able to fix that or make that less of a problem, if it even is a problem. We don't know at this point. I've been impressed with the physicality. I've been impressed with the speed. That's kind of as advertised. There have been times when he's gotten beat, and I have to try and figure out, is he getting beat because he's still a little you know, fresh, he's still a little inexperienced, or is he getting beat because it's Gabriel Davis and Stefan Dick? That's right. Those are the guys that he's lining up against. And I know the whole like iron sharpens iron cliche is so overdone, and people roll their eyes when they hear it, but I do think there's value in the fact that those are the guys he's getting reps against, because 
because it's not always going to be going up against guys like that, that talented. So I think that we kind of know what Dane Jackson is. And he's a young player, so that's not to say that he couldn't improve and you know carve himself out a nice little career because I think that he's got the potential to do that. But I think when everybody is healthy, the starting corners on this team are Tredavious White and Kyrie Elam. And even with the inconsistencies, I've never really steered away from that a week and a half into camp. All right, before we wrap up this segment, we got to touch on the punter battle yep. slash holder battle. There is one going on out here. It is real. Matt Ariza and Matt Hawk each getting a day, as Matthew Smiley put it, the special teams coordinator, to be a holder for Tyler Bass. Again, on Monday, we saw Ariza look to me from the naked eye like everything went well. I'm starting to get the feeling that unless Matt Ariza just kind of throws up all over himself, he's in line to win this job. I mean, they spent a, an asset on him. And so far, I think that's been the case, but you tell me if you think that's wrong. I think Matt Hawk has to win this competition, and I think Matt Ariza needs to not lose it. It's a great way to put sense. it. If it was a tie, Matt Ariza is going to get the job. If it's close, Matt Ariza is going to win the job. If he wins the job, then he won the job, and he's the starting punter for the Bills. I think that when you, like you said, when you spend something on a punter, and you know you have a cost-controlled player for the next several years on a team that is going to be up against the salary cap for the next several years, you like the idea of having a young punter who you... And it's what they did with Bass. Like, we've seen this team do this before. They have a veteran, they have a young guy. The young guy comes in, there's growing pains, but they still give him the job, and there's growing pains once the season starts, but then eventually he becomes one of the better players at his position. I don't know what Ariza's ceiling is, I don't know what they're expecting, but if he does win this job, there will be growing pains. There will be mistakes. The Bills are in a position where they can probably overcome those. They can live with that. And then you're hoping that for the next several years, he's an above-average player at his position. So I think it's Arise's job to lose, and I don't see him doing that. One of the cool things about being out here at training camp is Matt and I get to talk to players, and we get to talk to fellow media who stop by, whether that's other markets, whether that's national. And we did that. We have Khalil Shakir, and we have Ben Volan. We're going to get to those in a moment. We want to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast right here. It's always game day in Buffalo. Matt and I are going to be doing this all season long, a couple of times during the regular season each week. We'll have reviews, we'll have previews, we'll have special guests, out-of-market guests, players, coaches, whatever it is. We got you covered with the Bills. We have it available, of course, on your Odyssey app and all of those platforms. That's Alexa, Google Play, all those devices, and of course, iTunes, Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever you podcast. Khalil Shakir and Ben Volin on the way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. So one of the players that you have probably seen tweeted about, talked about up to this point in training camp is wide receiver Khalil Shakir. Now, I want to make that clear again. 
Khalil Shakir. I think I said his name wrong even when I went to break. That's okay, because I've been saying it wrong for weeks. But basically it was told to me is, hey, this is how you pronounce it. So keep that in mind, because guess what? I am going to make this mistake again. I apologize, but he's a very well-spoken and serious young man who is taking his craft very seriously, and you can kind of tell on the field because he has had opportunities with Jamison Crowder and Jake Kumaro both sidelined for portions of camp. He has been the guy that's gotten those extra reps, and he's made plays. Khalil Shakir. I got it. Khalil Shakir. Everybody say it with me. Khalil Shakir. Marquez Stevenson. We got a few of those on the Buffalo Bills. You know what? When we did the interview, Matt, I think I called him Khalil. I think he was mad at me. He is way too nice of a person to correct anybody. So that's why I don't even think we knew. I don't think he wanted to correct anybody. But I think somebody asked and was like, how do you pronounce your name? Just so I'm sure. And he was like, Khalil Shakir. So now... We know. All right, everybody, welcome back to another interview, and we are joined today by Khalil Shakir. Khalil, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right, Khalil, so just wa- saw you walk over here. You, you said you have Isaiah McKenzie's helmet. Now, gone are the days of rookie hazing and things like that, but you got you to take care of the vets, right? Yeah, I wouldn't call it hazing. Um, you got to do your rookie duties. Right. Um, he didn't even tell me to take it. I, <laughs> you are. Yeah, he was going to sign autographs, put his helmet on the ground, and I knew he was going to be doing that for a while, so I didn't want the helmet on the ground forever. So I told him I'd take it, yeah. But even if he would have told me to take it, I would have took it. You know, got to pay your dues. That's right. So how is camp been? You go from one dorm to another dorm, basically. You really don't get any time to just kind of like settle down and enjoy life as an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, this is the job we signed up for, right, to come here and play football. So uh, you put put it that way. Um, really, everything else on the outside, outside doesn't really matter. It's time to lock in. Season's right around the corner. Um, and I'm just doing everything that I can to, you know, create opportunities for myself. When you go out there and you see, okay, wow, there's Stefan Diggs that I've kind of grown up watching, and Gabriel Davis, what he did in the playoff game last year, Jamison Crowder in your room. Like, what's that like for a young guy coming in to see all of that? It's like, you know, when I got drafted, um, it was hard to believe, you know, uh, just that I was going to be walking into a room with all those guys you just mentioned. I mean, every single one of those guys. And then when you walk into the room and you actually see them, you know, it's not on TV. When you watch them on TV, you actually see them in person. It's pretty mind-blowing at first. It takes a while to get used to, definitely. And then you're just like, man, like every day, you know, dig sit right behind me in the meeting. And it's like, it's crazy. But all of them are great guys, you know, welcomed us, um, been helping us with anything and everything that they can. Um, just great dudes. What has Stefan Diggs been like as a leader for you? And what are you trying to take away from his game? Because obviously there's a lot of veterans in that room, but he's Stefan Diggs. Like yeah. everybody knows about Stefan Diggs. Right. I mean, he's a true leader. When you, t- you look up true leader, you know, the, the definition of it's him. Um, he's very vocal too. He leads by example, sets the tone every single day. Um, every single time we step out on that field, you know, he doesn't have those sluggish days. He knows that when he gets out there, it's time for him to turn it up, you know, to get us going. And he makes sure that's known every single day. His The way he competes, um, his preparation to get out there and do what he does is just next level. And we had a chance to talk to him, right? I think it was the second day at camp. And we asked him about you because you had made some nice plays. We'll talk more about that in a second. And we were like, okay, give us early impressions. And he was like, he's got talent and I'm going to push him because I know when I push people, I get the most out of them, and I only push people who I think have that talent. So when you kind of hear that from his side of things, does it give you that little extra motivation? It's like, okay, if Steph believes I can do it, then I really do think I can. No, definitely. I mean, today I went out there, and it's like, you know, you're in that camp grind, and, you know, I I told myself, like, I'm having a slow start. i got to pick it up. And guess who even noticed it before I even realized it? Him. You know, he came up to me, and he was just like, you know, basically like, you good? Like, you locked in? And he was like, basically told me, lock in. You know, it's time to go. And... Um, you know, a guy like that looking over, looking after me and making sure that I'm, I'm ready to go, um, it's a blessing. 
We talked with Ken Dorsey today, and one of the things we talked about was yards after catch. It's something this offense really hasn't had a ton of in the past because Josh throws the ball a lot downfield. They want to incorporate that more, and he made a point to say you can get yards after catch at all levels, though. That's a big part of your game, going back to Boise State. I mean, you lined up everywhere in the field. They get you the ball. How much can you play a factor in the yards after catch portion of this offense? Yeah, I mean, yards after catch only happen if you, you know, from the start went off the line, create separation and get open, right? Um, so, like I said, every time I get on the field, that's just what I'm trying to do. Our coach put the emphasis on that is creating separation. Without separation, you know, you're just going to make the, the catch harder. So create that separation, um, catch the ball and rack, and once the ball is on my hands, just do what I do. And preparing the right way mentally and physically to make sure I can go out there and perform at that level versus, you know, thinking. So Let me ask you about going against Kyrie Elam, rookie on rookie. Whenever you're up against him, what does he bring to the table? He's good. He's really good. Obviously, um, you know, he's first round. He's a guy who comes out there and it's he competes no matter what. You would never be able to tell whether he was first round or not. He's a he's a competitor. He comes out there, he balls out. Um, he does what he does. He's he's very quiet. He, he that's how you know he's locked in. And when he's locked in, it's something serious. So um, he takes everything serious the way off the field too. Getting getting ready for practice, making sure that he's first one in the training room, doing what he does, getting warmed up, locked in with the headphones on. And uh, I've learned to when he got them headphones on, you know, what I'm saying let him do what he do. Um, Oh, go I'm sorry to cut you off, but you've caught a lot of passes in your football career. Now you're catching passes here and there from Josh Allen. What is it like to catch a Josh Allen pass compared to maybe some of the other quarterbacks you've played with? Um, it's amazing. I mean, Josh is, you know, the best to do it. In my eyes, he's the best to do it. Um, the way he slings it, the way he um, goes out there and just the preparation for it as well, um, the way his mind works. You know, if I the other day I ran a certain route, and he came up to me right after and was, like, telling me this is how you're going to run it, you know. So just, you know, that that as well, you know, when I'm out there on the field and I'm, you know, as a rookie, I'm, like, trying to make sure that I watch Isaiah McKenzie and guys like that the way they run the routes. But it's not always going to be ran exactly how they ran it. And the moment I do that, you know, Josh or one of the other receivers are right on me saying, you know, telling me this is what you want to do and helping me out. Um, so just to learn from him as well is, is crazy and it's a blessing. So what do you do when you leave here? You leave practice, you go back to your dorm room. What's it like living in the dorm? What do you do for entertainment to stay busy? Uh, well, after this, I go cold tub. That's much needed. Okay. Um, then I get a little more treatment, and then we ride into meetings um, or go get something to eat, of course. Yeah. And then we're right into meetings. Then we got like a 30-minute break, and then ride into more meetings, and then a walk through. Then our day's over. Our day's over around 7. So, um, you know, every even though practice is over, it's not, you know, you can't check out mentally. Um, because, you know, you still have a whole bunch of meetings to go through, uh, make sure you're locked in for that as well, then the walkthrough um, to get ready for the next practice. So it's always, you know, you're constantly getting ready to work for the next day. But I know you're not in bed at 7 o'clock. What are you doing at night? You hang playing playing video games, watching TV? What are you doing? Uh, after 7 o'clock, I get more treatment. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I go to the room and study, study go. the plays, and then, um, then I'm in bed. Um, try to go to sleep before 10 every time, but you, it's your mind is still racing, racing, so got to calm myself down, then I go to sleep. What does it mean to you to put on an NFL jersey? And I know it's not the first time because you were at your mini camp and your OTAs and all these different phases, but here with like fans and really as we're kind of starting to ramp up towards the regular season, have you had a chance to reflect on your journey at all and be like, all right, this is the, what I had to do to get here, and I'm going to make sure that I make the most of this? Yeah, I mean, it's... Really, you know, I'm sitting here and it's like I'm just I'm just blessed. I'm blessed to have this opportunity. I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to wear a Bills jersey. 
Um, and the guys that I'm surrounded with are all great guys. You know, they mean business, but they also know how to have fun. You know, there's that switch that they, they flick when, it's, when we get on the field, but once we get off, it's like everybody's cool, everybody's chill, everybody's welcoming. Um, it's just a blessing. I've been dreaming about this since I started playing ball at seven years old, and to finally be here, it's crazy. And I, I still can't even really find the exact words to – you know, really express how I feel, but I'm just excited and, and just ready to work. I think when we talked to you in OTAs, I think uh, you mentioned that your either dad or mom is or was in the military, correct? My dad was. That's yeah. right. And um, I know that you know they're obviously big supporters of you. What do you? How do? You, what's the communication with them like on a daily basis? They call you. They say how practice has gone. What's that been like for you? Yeah, my mom would text me every day, just ask how the day was, um, see how I'm doing. Very quick, but by both of them, very very quick, just. Hey, how you doing? Hope your day's going great. Love you. You know, yeah, and uh, you they know that I got to get to meetings after this and take care of my body, do treatment. Um, my dad, I'll call every other day and we'll be on the phone for 30, 40 minutes at the end of the day. And we'll just chop it up, tell him how I'm feeling. And he knows, you know, when I'm not really telling him everything, you know, like if I felt he if I was sluggish at practice today, he gonna know, you know, what I'm saying like just by the tone in my voice. Um, so just talking to him, you know, he's he's always going to keep it straight with me and uh, make sure that, you know, I'm just staying 10 toes, ready to go. Where do they live now? Uh, my dad lives in Tampa, Florida. My mom lives in uh, California, Marietta. Okay. And how's the wedding planning going? Are you oh, staying out of the way? Are you staying, just uh, letting her do everything? No, nah, my fiance's awesome as well. I actually <laughs> haven't heard wedding since camp started, which is crazy. Sorry which to is bring really, up some scary nah, stuff. <laughs> nah, you're really good. But, uh, nah, I haven't heard wedding talk. She knows I'm locked in as well. Um, she went home. She actually gets back today. Um, but she had went home to Northern California where she's from, so that might be why I haven't heard about wedding because she's probably talking about it with her mom and everything. Um, but she also understands I'm here, locked in, trying to get going for practice. She never wants to, you know, bring up too much and get my mind going about things. So she, she's awesome. All right, man, unless you got anything more, Matt. No, just thanks for joining us. Great talking to you. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, very cool to see Ben Volin of the Boston Globe. I always see that's another one. Volin, Volin. I gotta always say how which which syllable is it? Ben Volin or Ben Volin? I, I have to ask him. I don't know. What's the most common mispronunciation of Capaccio? Cappuccio. Cappuccio. I get. And it turns into cappuccino. Yeah, I get bove a lot. I get bovi a lot. That's why there's an accent on the E, but it's kind of a fake accent. It's just to make it look like more cool, I guess. And it's it's to kind of hammer home the fact that it's both. Wait, accent, accent on an E is not Italian, right? It's more French. No, no, no. I, I don't even know what it is. It's just kind of always something that they did. And when you were playing youth sports, it always looked cooler on the back of a jersey. So I just kind of always hung with it. I don't even think it's on the birth certificate, so I don't even bother. So I understand. I 
resonate with people who have no idea how to pronounce people's last names. I don't even know if it's French. I might have just made that up. Either way, it's really cool to see. But Ben, you know, he, he's going around. He's doing the AFC East Tour. He actually used to co- uh, cover the Miami Dolphins years ago. Now he's covering the New England Patriots. He has gone to Jets camp as well. He's on our sister station, WEEI, in Boston. So we got a chance to catch up with him after Monday's practice here at St. John Fisher University. All right, Matt and Sal here with Ben Volin of the Boston Globe. He's also a contributor on our sister station, Odyssey, W-E-E-I in Boston. And what, senior NFL writer? I mean, we're all getting older, but senior? Come on, you're not that old. Well, you, when you get a certain amount of gray hairs, you get the senior in your title. So it's, uh, it, it's a new beginning for me, I guess. I have the gray down below on my goatee, not as much in my head. And Matt's got a long way to go here. But <laughs> Matt, um, you know, Ben and I were talking. He's been going around training camp, and he's been seeing all the different teams. We don't really get a chance to do that because we're so bogged down yeah. here from these other, these other. Before I get to Ben and his question, it's kind of cool to kind of get perspective from other teams when we see people. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, you see things on social media. You read different stories from other people, and you kind of just try and take in as much as you can. But we kind of have tunnel vision. You know, you're focused on covering the Bills because that's what we do. And you're like, oh, Tua made a great play at practice, or Mac Jones looks like he's taken that step. But it's nice to have the perspective of somebody who's actually seen it up close. So let's get it. Uh, you've been at Patriots camp, obviously. Um, just give us a little bit of a rundown of what they're kind of um, what you've seen from them. Maybe some questions and some concerns from the Patriots. I think the concerns are that they didn't do enough this off season. Um, you know, big picture, last year was a good season for them. Ten and seven, make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. But December and January was uh, kind of a disaster for them. They went 2-4, and four, and one of those wins was that crazy night in Buffalo where Mac Jones only threw three passes. Um, the other two games against Buffalo, you guys were there. Uh, the Bills turned it into a track meet. The Patriots couldn't keep up. And then this offseason, you know, so the Patriots, they looked like a team that was good, but kind of had a low ceiling. They didn't have enough, I don't think, around Mac Jones to really be one of the top teams in the AFC, the Bills, the Chiefs, Titans, Bengals, what have you. And then they didn't really do anything to address those needs this offseason. Uh, they made one real move on offense that was trading for Devontae Parker from the Dolphins, uh, who at his best will be what Nikhil Harry was supposed to be, big physical guy on the outside, win you some jump balls, good in the red zone. He's looked good to start camp so far, but it's you know always, hey, it's the first week of camp, there aren't pads on yet. Um, his problem with the Dolphins was always inconsistency, staying on the field. So we don't know how that's going to shake out until the training camp and the season unfolds. But otherwise, it's the same kind of B and C list um, receivers around Mac Jones. You know, Hunter Henry, nice tight end, but not a game changer. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, same thing. Nice second and third options, but not someone who can take the ball to the, to the house anytime. And you look at the NFL last year, the final eight teams, everyone had an alpha receiver, elite passing games. And Mac Jones, nice, like I said, very nice rookie season, but doesn't have the big arm, isn't a big athlete, isn't six foot five like Josh Allen. So you need to put more around him. I'm not sure the Patriots did enough on offense. And then the defense, uh, they're kind of retooling that side too. That was a side of the ball where they didn't get a stop on Josh Allen and the Bills two games in a row. That had never happened in Belichick's first 22 years with New England. So I tend to think we're in for a similar repeat of last season where they're going to be competitive. They're going to win eight, nine, ten games, go for a wild card spot. But I just don't see them being an elite team in the AFC. I think here in Buffalo, a lot of people have kind of viewed the Patriots, you know, as the big bully for so long. And then last year, there was the first game, the wind game. And I think that skeeved everybody out. And then those next two games happened. And I think Bills fans kind of could breathe a little bit. And they were like, okay, maybe we are still that step ahead of the Patriots. 
And the Patriots will always be one of those teams that's just kind of around because that's just what the Patriots do. But I think here in Buffalo, more people are concerned with the Dolphins this year than maybe they were with the Patriots even last year. Is it fair to go that far yet? Are the Dolphins maybe the Bills' biggest threat in the AFC East? I think it's understandable that the focus would be on the Dolphins, especially when they go out and get Tyreek Hill uh, to pair him with Jalen Waddell. Uh, they got a great left tackle in Taron Armstead, too, from the Saints. The, to me, their wild card is the head coach, Mike McDaniel, a guy who's never done it before. Um, you know, has come from coached with Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan for years, and uh, in, comes from that system, and is kind of considered a, an offensive genius, but has never called the plays before, has never been the man in charge before. So it's all about uh, a, a rookie head coach, and then obviously with Tua, can can he be the distributor of the ball? But. I do think it's kind of fair that on paper, the Dolphins are, I think, clearly the second best team in the division, should be able to give the Bills a run for their money. With the Patriots, the analysis isn't, wow, look at their roster. It's, well, they've got Belichick. You know, they always get more out of their roster than other teams. They've got good coaching. So we'll see. And, and we, I, you know, we've seen this with the Dolphins over the last 20 years. They always do great in the offseason, and then it falls apart at some point in the regular season. Um, so so I, I'm still kind of cautiously taking a wait-and-see approach. But it, it, it's certainly understandable that the Dolphins are getting all the buzz. On paper, they look fantastic. And on paper, the Patriots look like they have some issues this year. Let's talk about the Jets for a moment. They remind me a little bit of the Bills going from 18 to 19 when they signed John Brown. They signed Cole Beasley. They really surrounded Josh with the weapons he needed. Maybe not the same results, but maybe at least the same approach. I like the offseason that they've had. They went out and got him two tight ends, uh, especially C.J. Uzoma from uh, the Bengals. They're getting Carl Lawson back. I think that's an underrated. You know, He tore his Achilles in training camp last year. He was their big pass rush uh, free agent signing, so he'll be back now. Um, it, you know, it still comes down to they have a very young roster, still one of the youngest in the NFL. Um, Zach Wilson was really not put in a good situation last year. You know, rookie coaching staff, youngest roster, not a lot of veteran help. So they have built the team up around him. It's still going to come down to is he ready to take that next step? He's got all the tools in the world. You understand why they took him number two, but mentally he, he just really was not ready to play last year. And so he's got to take a big jump. Um, Normally, I would, I'd be very skeptical, but your guy here has changed, I think, the thinking on how we should look at young quarterbacks because I think through two years, I was leading the charge. I, I, no one was more critical of Josh Allen than me. I, I, I thought his accuracy, he's throwing the ball all over the place, he, and you would never see quarterbacks take the jump that a guy like him made in his third and fourth year now. So the fact that Josh Allen made th these tremendous strides, I think you have to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to a guy like Zach Wilson, um, Tua down in Miami, just because we've seen how now these young quarterbacks, it really can click and they can take off. But I, I still think Zach Wilson clearly has a long way to go. Here at Fisher, all over the campus, you see these posters that say find a way. And that's kind of something that they've carried over from the facility on Orchard Park. And you have covered a lot of teams that have gone to the Super Bowl. And it's Super Bowl or bust this year for this team. And sometimes they're scared of saying it, but that's what the expectations are. From your experiences, what are the differences between the teams that ultimately can get there and the teams that come up just short? I hate to say it, but a lot of it hinges on the luck of the injury bug. And, and you really do see at the end of the year the teams that make it are the teams that survive the season healthy. So I think roster management is going to be – it's more important for a, a team like the Bills that have the championship expectations, have a more veteran roster. They were going hard out here at training camp practice. I was, I was actually pretty impressed with the tempo. What are they, day 10 now into practice? And they've had the pads on for a few days. We saw a couple fights break out today. There was a fight the other day, obviously, involving Josh Allen. So uh, I'm actually – impressed with 
with the tempo. They're going pretty hard out here, and, and I think McDermott's probably going to start dialing it back a little bit because a team like this, the last thing you want to do is burn them out uh, in, in training camp. But, um, you know, it's the teams that just know how to handle the adversity of the season, and now you've got a quarterback in his fifth year. Uh, now you've got a, a lot of guys who've played in big playoff games. This isn't the, the new Buffalo Bills who are just kind of happy to be here and don't know what um, success is about. They've tasted it. They know um, how to how to get there, and they were – Inches, I'm holding my fingers an inch away. They were that close from getting to the conference championship and maybe to a Super Bowl. So they're right there, and I hate to resort to a cliche, but I really do think just the the injury luck is going to be huge and how they manage it. But, you know, you see what the Bills are now with the Von Miller signing. The Bills are now a destination. They're a team that guys want to join. That's what the Patriots were for years. You get You get veterans who want to win a Super Bowl. You get guys who are willing to take a little bit less to come here and be part of something bigger. That's where the Bills are right now. That's not where the Patriots are. The Patriots are overspending on guys left and right to bring them in. So it's a, it's an interesting role reversal. Um, and, and I hate to say it, but the Bills, it, it is going to be a tougher schedule this year too. So um, expectations might have to be a little bit different. Uh, the, the schedule gods certainly worked in their favor. And, and everyone in the AFC East, not just the Bills last year, it was a much easier draw than I think what they're getting this year with the AFC North and the NFC North too. So um, certainly so many different factors play into whether a team makes it. But you guys have the quarterback and a crazy variety of weapons on offense between big physical guys and little guys going over the middle. And uh, Bills are going to be really fun to watch this year. It's a great segue into my last question, which is overall AFC, big picture. First of all, do you agree with the oddsmakers making the Bills the favorite, not only in the AFC, but even to win the Super Bowl? And secondly, who are the contenders to do that if it's not the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I guess if I were the Bengals, I'd be a little upset. Be like, hey, we just made the Super Bowl here. We got a pretty good young team. Um, I I agree. Look, last year, I apologize for the jinx. My Super Bowl pick was Bills (laughs) over Packers, and I picked Josh Allen as my MVP. I picked Bills over Rams, I believe, so there you go. go. Not too far off. Um, I'm... I'm probably going to back off the Packers this year. I'm, I'm not as thrilled with what they are, but I'm going to stick with the Bills. Like, why not? They're, now, the AFC is loaded, and all four teams in the AFC West are legitimate contenders. The Titans, the Bengals aren't going anywhere. I think the Ravens are going to be pesky. The, the Dolphins and, and the Patriots uh, are going to say something about it. So the AFC is absolutely loaded. So do the Bills deserve to be the favorite over everyone else? I'm not sure, but there's no reason why they can't come out of the AFC, and I probably am going to pick them. It's going to be like the old Chris Berman bit where he picked the Bills, and I'm going to, until I'm right, I might just keep picking the Bills and Josh Allen. I love where they're at with their program. He's only 26, 27 years old, so he's got a, a big future ahead of him. And it's funny, you said Bill uh, Super Bowl or bust before. I almost I was thinking about that, and it's definitely Super Bowl, but it's not or bust because they've got Josh Allen, That's and right. he's young, and they're going to be competitive for a long time as long as he's still playing. And then his contract extension doesn't even kick in until next year, which is really kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, now it's almost a bargain with all the other quarterbacks that have signed their contracts up to this point. It's like, yeah, $40 million, we can make that work. Yeah, no doubt about it. Anything left from you, Matt? No, I just appreciate it because your perspective is very valuable considering we're here in Orchard Park and in Rochester. We don't get to go see you. Patriots camp or Dolphins camp, so we appreciate it. All right, Ben Volin, Boston Globe. Thanks a lot, man. Enjoy the great weather here in, uh, I guess, western slash central New York. Yeah, uh, doing a great job of convincing me to come back soon, so (laughs) thank you people of Rochester. So some interesting stuff from Ben there, because he does have the perspective of kind of seeing every team up close and personal, and even after having the conversation, I still think there is kind of a gap between the Bills and everybody else in the division, but I do think, like, don't sleep on Miami, everybody. I think the Dolphins are going to be a playoff team this year. I really do. I don't think they're a contender, but I think they contend for a playoff spot.
Do you know, Matthew, that the Matthew Bove, Matthew Bovee, yeah. do you know that the Miami Dolphins currently have, do you know what their playoff wind drought is? Their playoff wind drought. They were in the playoffs with, I believe, Matt Moore as their quarterback several years ago. You know in the last playoff win they had? I feel like I saw it somewhere. Is it like mid-90s, 95 or something? It's a little after that. It's 2000, I believe. They've, okay. It's a 21 or 22-year playoff wind drought. I mean, I can't imagine having a drought more than a year or two at this point with how good this team has been. It almost feels like it was like a different planet that we were living on, that the Bills just couldn't make it to the playoffs, and now they're a team that's contending for a Super Bowl. So that surprises me that it's been that long because the Jets have had wins, obviously, since then. The Patriots have had a lot. So, yeah, now they're the team that's kind of just trying to figure it out. All right, thanks a lot for joining us once again here. It's always game day in Buffalo. Once again, please subscribe. Throw us a nice review. Give us a rating, whatever it is. Make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Matt and I are going to be back next time with a lot more coverage from Buffalo Bills training camp.